0: for us to hear uh, from a global perspective. Uh, my friend uh, Bo Durr is here today, and he's going to share with us. Bo is a, uh, is a missionary, serves Christ uh, globally. I'm going to ask him a few questions in a minute here, so I, I won't steal his thunder. Uh, but I, I thought we'd have the chance just to hear how uh, God is at work around the world and how we're called to participate in his global work. Amen. So, uh, Bo, why don't I uh, just give you a few questions. You can introduce yourself, Great. and then yeah. I'll pray for you. and. We'll have the privilege of hearing God's word from you.
1: Thank you. Sam. So
0: first, uh, just share with us a little of your background, uh, who you are, where you're from.
1: Okay, I, I'm a bit of a curiosity because I've got a white skin, but I'm actually really black inside. I am, I am from Africa. Um, I am part of a German group family that immigrated in the 1700s to South Africa from Germany, started farming there. So we've been there for about 260 years. I don't speak German anymore. Um, But that was my heritage. And I grew up in Cape Town, South Africa. And we have about five million white South Africans in in South Africa right now, which is about 10% of the population. So. Uh,
0: Paul, why don't you share a little with us uh, kind of about your ministry, uh, how you see Christ working through you and how you're serving him.
1: Thank you, Sam. Yeah, I am, so I'm serving with a global mission organization called Youth with a Mission. Uh, Youth with a Mission is operating in about 185 countries today in more than 1,200 locations, so a very, very big global presence. I have been very fortunate to have been part of their Biblical Studies department. So I'm an itinerant teacher with Youth with a Mission's um, Biblical Studies department, so we have a course called the Discipleship Bible School. Actually, my friend uh, Benjamin Locke, um, his mom and brother are here, He's, he's my best friend. He's the reason why I'm actually here. We, um, we befriended each other in 2007 during our Bible school in Kona, Hawaii. We did the School of Biblical Studies, which is a, an intense study from Genesis to Revelation, inductively through the whole Bible. And we forged a strong friendship in our mutual love for God's Word. And he's actually with the End Bible P- Poverty Program. And indirectly, I'm part of that program as well. We're really wanting to equip the church globally um, and teach... Correct handling of the scriptures. Mm. Yeah,
0: and we hadn't planned on this, but actually, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. I'm familiar with that program too. It, it, it's exciting. Um, so, it share is. a little bit about um, you know uh, kind of the scope of that program.
1: Right. So, the founder of our mission um, is a chap called L- Lauren Cunningham. He founded YOM in 1960, so the, the mission's been going for a while. And he's in his mid 80s now, and he's he's nudging closer to his uh, eternal home. And he his heart is to really see. Every home in the world have a Bible, but not just have a Bible, know how to study the Bible, use the Bible. So they have got um, this project called Ending Bible Poverty. So every YWAM team that goes out is distributing Bibles and equipping people with tools in being able to study the Bible inductively, have a big overview of the Bible, and even illiterate people groups, um, they are giving Bibles in... SIM cards um, where they can use a mobile phone as an audio player. So there's a big movement of Bible translation happening now. I'll share a little bit about that as well because there's a a friend of mine that's actually involved in one of those projects um, with an unreached people group. So it's really exciting, this this global mobilization. Also the four biggest mission organizations in the world are partnering together to really collaborate um, their resources and meet quarterly to strategize on how to fulfill the Great Commission and see um, Bibles and an understanding of God's word happen globally. So,
0: yeah, it's so exciting.
1: It's really exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about the project.
0: Last question: How can we pray for you?
1: Um, that's a really good question. I really covered your prayers. I think I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for the prayers of a, a wonderful group of older ladies in my home church in Cape Town, South Africa. There's a group of about 15 real intercessors, and I've had about 17 near-death experiences um, on the road around the world, and I think God has just preserved my life um, until He wants to take me home in order to um, continue the work that He's called me to. So um, in terms of prayer needs, I think when I teach, I always ask for three things, and that would be my prayer this morning as I, as I share with you. Um, it's wisdom, um, authority, and clarity that I wouldn't speak by my own authority, but with the authority of the Holy Spirit, so, yeah. Let me pray for you now. Thank you.
0: Lord God, we thank you so much uh, that you give to us what we need, uh, and you give to us collectively what we need as a church. We know, Lord, that you've given to the church uh, spiritual leaders we thank you for Bo and for his uh, willingness to speak uh, to us today. God, I do pray for these three things. I pray for wisdom for Mm Bo. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you promise us in your word that anyone that asks for wisdom Uh, Will receive. And so, God, I do pray that you give him wisdom as he teaches. God, I also pray for authority. We know that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Christ. And uh, Lord, through faith, uh, we become joined with him. So, God, I pray for both he shares. I pray that it would not be on his own power, his own authority, but uh, Lord, the the authority of Christ, Mm -hmm. Lord, would govern these words. And Lord, for clarity. Lord, uh, it does us no good just to hear random words. Uh, We need to hear clear words that are calling us uh, to know you better and, Lord, uh, to action and how we can serve you better. So, God, I pray for clarity for Bo as he speaks. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would connect these words to our hearts and to our lives. So we ask your blessing on him now and on us as we receive. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Sam. All right, I'm going to stand up. Um, Thank you so much to the the tech team for supporting me with the tech side of things. I'm not very technologically illiterate, so it's been great to have their help. Um, So, yeah, I am really thankful that I can be here. I just love seeing how God's body worships in different parts of the world. And I love coming to America because God really has his blessing on this land. I mean, this land was established with such strong Christian values and Christian principles. And you see the prosperity in this nation more than any other nation in the world. And I think um, one of the things that I always like to do when I travel, I always ask the Lord, what can I take with me from this region And what can I leave behind? Because I feel like there's an expression of God's beauty and his DNA in every people group around the world. And we can learn something, we can take something with us. But then there's also aspects of the fall of humanity in every culture of the world. And when I'm separated from my own culture, I can recognize the aspects of my own culture that are not you know, godly. So it's good to sometimes get distance from your own home in order to to get that perspective. But I really love the can-do attitude in this part of the world. I mean, Jake was an example of that the other day. The heating system in his house broke down. And he was there fixing it. I wouldn't even attempt to, you know, fix it. But he, that can-do American attitude, just that, you know, we can, we can do it. We can fix it. And there's something just beautiful about the kingdom of God in that, you know. Because through Christ, we can do all things, you know. And I feel that's very evident in this region. And I'm, I'm always really encouraged to see that um, that can do attitude. So I'm gonna, we're going to do a little bit of an introduction, a, a little bit more about, about my family, my call to missions. Then we're going to look at four regions of the world briefly. I don't have too much time, so we're going to try and do it faster than I would usually do it, but um, just bear with me. And then we're going to land it about how we can actually participate in what God has called us to in fulfilling the Great Commission. So let's start with a little snapshot of my, uh, my family. This is my my family, my dear father on the left, there. he passed away two years ago. He was one of my big intercessors, a real role model to me. And his story was really quite interesting and quite inspirational in my journey into missions. Dad was a very successful rugby player. In South Africa, we play this brutal game called rugby where we basically kill each other on the field. It's kind of like American football, but we don't have any helmets or pads. So I played rugby. I broke. I'm a skinny guy. I broke so many bones playing rugby. I broke my leg my thumb, my wrist, and my nose, and um, it's this really brutal game, and, but if you're a rugby player in South Africa, you're kind of a national hero, and he played for one of the top teams in the nation and was a bit of a hero, and his whole identity was rooted in his skill and fame as a rugby player, and then when he stopped playing rugby, um, he became a businessman, and he used a lot of that fame to build a successful business and had a a really successful real estate business and was sort of a household name in our region. And he was a believer, but his identity was not in so much in his relationship with God or his status as a child of God, but rather in his successes as a sportsman and a businessman. So my encouragement to you is I feel like we, this nation is so success-driven and so success-focused that that. Just a reminder that that is not who you are, you know. Your earthly successes is not who you are. You are a child of God, beloved by the King, and that is who you are. And when all these things fall apart, that's what remains. And that's what happened with that. He lost his business um, in the mid-90s, having built this business for 20 years, poured his sweat and labor into into building a huge company, and then all of a sudden it all came tumbling down. He still had a lot of investments in other regions, Started another business in Europe and another business in South Africa and these businesses just collapsed. And you know, the Lord gives and he takes away and I really believe that the Lord took away dad's wealth in order to get his attention and make him realize that Christ is all we need and he is our identity. And uh, so we're gonna look at um, just Dad's, uh, dad's gravestone. So I was reminded by the dash of life, how brief our life actually is, you know. And that little dash over here between our birth date and our death date, that is our life. That is it. It is a breath. We are a vapor. And yet we 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 spend so much of our time and energy and effort in focusing on that little dash. And I love the scriptures that we read in 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. That is such a reminder that, you know, inwardly we are wasting away. This this body, as much as we like to think we're gonna be strong and we're gonna be around for a long time, we are wasting away and we need to fix our eyes on what is unseen because that is where our home is. We are not citizens of the United States. We are temporary residents with a work permit here. Our citizenship is in heaven. And that's where we need to set our, our gaze and be in tune with God's kingdom, not earthly kingdoms. So I was reminded when dad passed away of just how brief our lives are on earth. So let's go to the next uh, slide. So. Matthew 6 is such a great scripture. When Jesus is teaching on the Sermon of the Mount, he's really setting people's gaze towards heaven. And he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy. I saw dad's treasures get ripped away. So temporal. Where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart is. Where are our treasures and our focus of our hearts? You know, Jesus saw right into the rich young ruler's heart as well that he said, you know, sell everything you have. He was a righteous man, but he said, just sell everything you have and follow me because he could see that his treasures were in his earthy possessions. So dad's treasures were taken away from him, but he had a fresh perspective of who he was as a child of God. And it was beautiful for me to see that journey. Let's look at the next slide. Um, So Psalm 2 is such a key scripture for me right now because the nations are raging. We're living in the most fragile time geopolitically right now. I sat next to a colonel on a plane, and he told me that in his perspective, the likelihood of a third world war right now is 50-50. We are in a very very fragile state, perhaps more fragile geopolitically than we've ever been. And yet, this psalm reminds us, the nations conspire, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up, the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, "Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles," and the one enthroned in heaven laughs, and the Lord scoffs at them. There is another kingdom that is above and beyond the earthly kingdoms, and our hope is not on earthly kingdoms and what they're doing. Our hope is in the Lord. He rebukes them in his anger. He terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion. Are our eyes directed towards the king on Zion, the Lord Jesus Christ, my holy mountain? I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son, and today I become your father. Ask me, and I'll make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. And this last bit of the song impacted me so much because I saw my earthly inheritance evaporate and I had studied business and I was hoping to take over dad's business and then I realized dad labored so hard to build this earthly little empire that just evaporated and what is our inheritance what is our eternal inheritance the only thing that will last for all eternity are those relationships that are established in Christ and we will live forever in a resurrected body, in the glorious presence of God, fellowshipping with each other, with those people that have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a better inheritance to have an eternity of riches and inheritance. And this is where, that whole, this is where the whole of 2 Corinthians is going as well. And 2 Corinthians was a really powerful piece of scripture that really helped me deal with dad's passing as well. You know, that he is, he's got a, he had an earthly tent, but now he's got a heavenly dwelling. A tent is a temporal residence. A house, a dwelling is a secure, a a secure building. And that's, and that's where we, we should have our security is in heaven. So let's continue. The uh, last, words of Jesus Christ was that all authority in heaven has been given to me. We have the authority from heaven in us through Christ, through his Holy Spirit. All authority in heaven has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I have commanded you to do. And this is one of his commands. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What an encouragement that God is with us to the end of the age. And His authority through His Holy Spirit dwells within us. But we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to obey this last commandment of Lord Jesus Christ, the Great Commission. So let's continue. The vision, the vision that God has placed in my heart. And let me just say this is not everyone's vision. Um, God has given us all specific roles in the kingdom, but the vision that God has specifically called me to is education, evangelism, and encouragement. And that is biblical education because there's such an incorrect handling of God's word. Many people have no understanding of God's word at all, including pastors in Africa and many other regions. Um, And then the, the ministry of Barnabas, encouraging the body of Christ, encouraging people, and and really getting them to set their eyes on, on heavenly things which reminds me of the story of the three builders where guys are laying bricks and they ask the one builder what are you doing he says I'm laying bricks and he's looking kind of downcast they ask the next guy what are you doing he says I'm building a cathedral and the third guy they said what are you doing he says I am glorifying the name of Jesus Christ through every brick that I lay is that how we live our lives is that how we see our professions our our workplace, we are glorifying the name of Jesus Christ in whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, if we do it for the glory of Jesus, we're in the right place. So it's not so much what you do, it's about is your heart directed towards heavenly things or earthly things. God has called me to a hundred nations. I'm fortunate in that I work within such a big global organization where we have ministries in so many nations. And then it's about mission mobilization. It's about seeing young people recognize the severity and the seriousness of Jesus' last words and go and make disciples of all nations. And then biblical discipleship. The Word of God is the best discipleship training tool. So we teach through the Bible. Uh, We teach Bible overview from Genesis to Revelation, showing God's redemptive plan right from the beginning in Genesis 3, where the serpent's head is crushed. So that's what we're up to. I'm going to do a little bit of a stats on missions right now. So there are 6,000. These statistics come from the Joshua Project and Bethany University. So there's 6,700 unreached people groups. That means a people group that do not have a church, that do not have a Bible teaching church, many of whom have never heard, probably all of them who have never heard a gospel presentation. There are 6,700 of these groups, and some of them are running into the millions of people And the totality of that is 42% of the global population that has never heard the gospel, that has never had a church planted in their community. That's 3.2 billion people. And when I saw the statistics of how many missionaries are engaged in these areas, it kind of caused a lot of sadness in me because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are very, very few. So just to give you an idea, 0.1% of total church giving goes to unreached people groups. 99.9% goes in to other areas. And there's only 13,300 missionaries globally that are trying to engage in these, in these people groups. Three, that's 3% of the global missions force. So we really, really need more workers on the field, you know? We are desperate to see the Great Commission fulfilled. Uh, The founder of our mission is really, really praying and partnering with other mission organizations. And there's a lot of work that is happening to collaborate with the mission's world, the the mission's um, organizations to work together and pull resources to reach these unreached people. So Youth with a Mission, as I said, we can flip through that, is in 180 countries, 1,100 locations, and it focuses on education, mercy ministries, and global evangelism. Okay, So we, when I leave here, I'll be going to back to Eastern Europe to work with the Ukrainian refugee situation, which is a huge opportunity for the church and the body of Christ to show the love of Jesus and help these refugees where there's about... 12 million displaced people in the Ukraine, and there's 6 million that have come into Europe. I think the United States is, is taking a couple of hundred thousand as well. So it's a huge opportunity for us to show the love of Christ. So that's the mercy side. So I've said I'm, I'm involved in itinerant teaching. Um, that's me teaching in Bosnia at a conference where we were recently. We'll look a little bit at, at the Balkans just now. We'll do a little snapshot of a few areas in the world just to give you guys a a bigger perspective as to how God is working in different regions. So one of the most impactful outreaches I have ever been part of was with a group of young YWAM missionaries. Typically our age group is between 18 to 25, hence our name Youth with a Mission. I'm one of the older guys <laughs> now in my mid-40s. And um, we had a group of young people ranging between 19 and mid-30s in our group. And we went to a region in northern um, Vanuatu. So these are the islands of Vanuatu, which is about uh, three hours flight from Brisbane, Australia, east. And then you fly into Fiji, and then it's about another hour flight from Fiji. And you've got 83 islands with some unreached people groups in these islands. So the northern parts of the islands, there's been no church plants. Um, The southern parts over here, missionaries started coming here in the mid-1800s, and I love reading these missionary diaries of guys like John Payton and the early missionaries that went to these areas, because most of them were actually eaten by the cannibals. There was a history of cannibalism in these islands, and there still is some cannibalism going on in some of those northern islands. And when when they warned young John Payton not to go, I loved his response, you know, and he'd really grabbed hold of these scriptures about setting your eyes on things unseen and and um, you know not fearing for his own life. Um, that Revelation 12:11 scripture that says they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto death. These guys truly knew what it was not to love their life even unto death, and they went a flood of missionaries to Vanuatu. Most of them were eaten. And when they warned John Payton, there was a professor Smith that said, Mr. Payton, do you realize every missionary that has gone ahead of you has been eaten by the cannibals? And John Payton replied, Sir, you are advanced in years, and it's not long before the worms are going to eat your body. So whether we get eaten by worms or cannibals, our earthly bodies are going to get eaten by something. So I'll take my chances with the cannibals. And off he goes and ministers to these tribes in that area of Port Vila, These are what some of the people um, still dress like and look like today. And God used this young missionary, John Payton, to see the gospel um, ministered, people responding, and the first Christian churches established in Vanuatu. But those were in the southern islands. Just go back to the original slide on the map. So the northern islands over here, there's an island called Maivo over here. Where we, where we took a team where there's never been any one go and share the gospel. People dress in those tribal, um, you know, styles of dress code. And that island had a history of strong cannibalism and strong witchcraft. But the Lord went ahead of us, and uh, fortunately none of us were eaten, but we saw the Holy Spirit show up in that island. It was like living the book of Acts. We saw God literally working in signs and wonders to demonstrate His power to a people that had never heard the gospel. And we saw God opening up blind eyes. We saw God opening deaf ears. We saw the lame walking. And it was nothing to do with us. It was just the glory of our King demonstrating His power to a people that were desperately lost in darkness. And half of the island of 800 people ended up responding to the power of God and the gospel proclamation and we established a little church there, um, which teams have followed up in. We, we took the one literate guy in the whole town who could read, got him a Bible in his language, and we went through three months of Bible discipleship with the elders of the village and saw a very rudimentary Book of Acts kind of home church established. And... We've had teams subsequently going back. There has been attrition in the church. There has been a number of people go back to some of their tribal ancestral practices. But there is still a church of about 20 people in, in northern Vanuatu, in Maibo, to this day. So just really thankful that the Lord could have led us there. So yeah, we'll look at the next uh, slide. Uh, sorry, go back to the, uh, the photos of Vanuatu. So yeah, so these little huts, that's what we were living in, eating the local food. They love flying fox so our first meal was a was a flying fox that they had skewered and roasted on a fire and god gave us grace to consume this food because it's very offensive in most cultures if you turn up food turn down food and um it was just a very interesting experience i ended up losing about 35 pounds and it's not like i've got a lot of weight to lose so i went from about 200 to 170 pounds while i was in vanuatu So we were there for three months, and then the following visits we spent a month um, each time. And we've got local Vanuatu teams that are still visiting fairly regularly. So another region that is really close to my heart is the Middle East. People are terrified to go to the Middle East. Um, But honestly, these are some of the most hospitable people you will ever meet. Anyone that has gone to any, any Muslim country in the Middle East will tell you that people will invite you into their homes, They will invite you into Ramadan feasts. I think of how many people in the West would have someone in a full, you know, burqa um, Arabic garb come in and enjoy a Thanksgiving feast with you. And that's pretty much how it is, you know, over there. People will invite you into their homes and share their food with you. And I have had incredible hospitality. This was a a chap by the name of Muhammad who lives in a Bedouin area of uh, northern Petra. In Jordan um, I met him last year and we spent a number of hours together going through the book of John um, bridging from the Quran where the Quran shows that you should read the former writings and he was just he had a real hatred for the West and he was actually a Taliban supporter and I asked him why and he just said because the West has lost its morality and look what's coming out of Hollywood and look at the greed and the moral decline of the West. And I I agreed with him and told him, but that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is not the God of the West, you know, and that's how a lot of Muslims see it. So it's making a separation between um, the West losing its moral way and who Jesus is. And he was just fascinated to read the the book of John. He hasn't converted, um, but there is an amazing move of Muslims that are coming to Christ and now having dreams and visions and encountering Jesus, um, especially in the Kurdish areas of northern Syria and northern Iraq, where we visited as well the previous year, and Iran. I heard the fastest growing church right now is in Iran. And I just love the way the Lord works because Iranians that have been fleeing government persecution in Iran are getting U.S. citizenship right now. And many of them, I've heard, are going to Israel to reach the Jews. And I just love the way the Lord says, I will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies, and how God is using an enemy nation to reach another enemy nation, which takes us to another region where there's a lot of enemy nations, the Balkans. This, this is a real tinderbox in Europe, where there's just been so much ethnic tension, um, war and fighting and conflict, and we've just been ministering in, in Bosnia over here, which is... Uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, where they've had horrendous wars. I think 400,000 people were slaughtered in these wars. And they've got all these ethnic tensions. So this whole region is called the Balkans. So I lived in Serbia for three years, in Belgrade, Serbia. And they hate each other with a passion. And so we started a... I'm part of a program that I didn't start. It's not a YWAM program, but I go in as a teacher. And it's a program where we're wanting to bring young people together from these different nations for a month in one location and share who Christ is to them. Some of them are Bosnian Muslims. Some of them are Albanian um, Muslims. Some of them are from Kosovo. Some of them are Serbian Orthodox ex-communists that know nothing about the gospel. And some of them are Croatian Catholics who also most of them have never really heard the Bible being taught, and it's just been incredible to see friendships established across enemy lines, and a Croatian and a Serbian befriend each other and go and visit each other in their, in their respective countries. There's a girl called Jelena whose parents told her that the Croatians were Nazis, that it killed her parents, and she should never go into this evil nation. She's doing regular visits now to see her best friend, Mirta um, in Croatia, and Mirta's going to Serbia. So it's so amazing to see these young people who are going to be future leaders in their nations, befriend each other and encounter Christ, which is the ministry of reconciliation. That is what the gospel is, that we are reconciled to God and He enables us to be able to forgive each other and be reconciled to each other. And we've seen um, a number of Ukrainian refugees come to these programs as well and they're still in a time of such pain as their nation is just being ripped apart by war. um, But we are seeing Ukrainians, even through the power of the Holy Spirit, be able to forgive Russians and start seeing Russians as not just monsters, but humans. And um, just amazing how the Holy Spirit enables people to forgive, which people have described forgiveness as the most divine act of God. And it really is when you can forgive your enemy and forgive someone that has killed your family. Um, It's just an extraordinary act of God. And this is what breaks wars. And this is what breaks patterns of continued um, hatred. So just a few faces. Um, These are some of my best friends in Serbia. The top, the the chap on the top is my friend Ilya. He came to Christ about five years ago and he is just such a lover of God's word. He's joined a little Baptist community in Belgrade and he's just sharing the gospel with others. He's been rejected by his family. He's been rejected by his friends because they see him as a cult because he's not part of this orthodox religious structure. Uh, the chap below him is one of the up-and-coming young businessmen of Serbia who was working 12, 14 hours a day, um, had no relationship with the Lord. He subsequently sold his business and set his eyes on things above, not on earthly things. And he's really growing in his faith as well. And we, we are in regular communication. The photo on the left is a winter in Serbia. It can get pretty cold, you guys are familiar with that. But it really is a cold uh, place spiritually and a lot of missionaries don't want to go there because you don't see a lot of fruit in these these nations. And they really don't like the West because NATO bombed them. I almost took a beating for NATO (laughs) for, I quickly had to produce my South African passport because this guy really wanted to beat me up Because in the village where we were eating a meal, dozens of women and children had been killed because of NATO bombers. So he had a lot of pain in his heart. And um, my Serbian friends were quick to defend me, fortunately. Um, I still haven't taken a beating like Paul has, (laughs) but it might happen one day. But um, so, yeah, so God has kind of given me an opportunity there, I guess, that Americans and British and NATO people wouldn't have perhaps the same opportunity. So I'm glad for my South African passport sometimes, not always, (laughs) because I need visas everywhere I go. All right, so let's go on. So South Africa, so right now we're serving in South Africa. I spend about eight to nine months of the year in South Africa. We have one of the highest murder rates and robbery rates and violent crimes of any place on earth. We are the most divided nation, the most unequal nation in the world with these beautiful, plush suburbs, and then just down the road, we've got these really impoverished communities where people literally live in, in metal huts, um, and it's just really terrible. So we started a feeding program. This, this lady um, is the friend of a pastor of mine who's running the feeding program in this area, and she was shot twice in the crossfire just a couple of months ago. He told me again on Friday that there was shooting. As the kids were walking to school, there were gangsters shooting each other, and the kids had to lie on the ground. So literally another war zone just on my backyard. And uh, it's just tragic. And we're just trusting that the Lord would intervene in these areas. And again, through just providing food and devotions for the kids, we hope that we will see the Holy Spirit transform lives in that area. And we have seen a number of these children come to faith. So just a couple of pictures of the kids. So yeah, 150 to 200 meals a day. Um, These are some of the kids getting food. Some of them, those three meals a week is the only food they get. We've literally got 12 million people that are hungry in our nation, which is the most prosperous nation in Africa. And uh, we are using our students from the discipleship programs to serve the food and to take turns in in giving the devotions as well, three times a week to these kids. And it just breaks my heart. the homes that these kids have to go back to. But we know that God can bring incredible beauty out of the most desperate situations. And this is what we are seeing, is how the Lord is transforming some of the lives of these children. Just a few more photos of some of the kids. I just love the, the joy that these children can have, the smiles on their faces, even considering that these kids are living in a war zone right now. And yet they still play, They play football in the streets. And they laugh, and they play like kids, even though their situations are so um, fragile and so desperate. Um, so, Mansur, the, the chap on the top, he was a radical Islamic extremist that joined one of our Bible studies in, in one of the slums. He came from the Comoros Islands. He was a persecutor of Christians, trained as an Islamic scholar. And he encountered the Lord while studying the book of John. And now he is translating the Bible into the Camorian language. It's going to be the first Bible ever in the Camorian language. And it's an Apostle Paul story. He was a hater of Christians, radical extremist, who's now translating the Bible into his language. Um, we just love how the Bible teaches about servant leadership. So there's a picture of us doing the foot washing thing, um, demonstrating what servant leadership looks like to African leaders. So how can we get involved? Um, What are some of the ways we can... This is a budget that I put together of our ministry. Um, We're only a quarter of the way in in fulfilling this budget. Um, It includes the the feeding program, some of my own personal expenses, and I'm really trusting that the Lord would um, fulfill these um, budget requirements. Um, There is a a PayPal link... um, Next, you can just take a photo of that if you felt stirred in any way to partner with the work that we're doing as YWAM in these various areas. And um, so what are other ways that we can respond? Just to land, land the talk. I think the response that we can have is either we go, that God is actually stirring in our heart to go and reach um, and be part of a, a mission organization like YWAM to go and engage with an unreached people group somewhere in the world. Or we send, we can partner financially in sending and investing into those that are going. And to pray, we pray. We desperately need your prayers. We covet your prayers. And I'm so thankful that I have a group of intercessors, but we can never have enough intercession. And that is really the foundation of any ministry, is how strong our, our intercession is. So we can go, or we can pray, or we can partner. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for uh, giving me this opportunity to give you a little bit of a glimpse into what God is doing around the world. So thank you.